Hey, welcome back to the Heal My Health podcast. My name is Sally. I'm a clinical nutritionist. And today I'm going to give you my five top supplement recommendations. Just FYI, pre-disclaimer, um, please don't t- start taking supplements without seeing a professional or doing your own research, um, running it by your doctor if you're on medications or if you have a certain disorder or disease. I'm just simply going to go through the top five supplements that I think are really beneficial for the overall general person, for overall general health, and ones that I personally stand by uh, and love and adore and use myself. So without further ado, let's get into it today. Five supplements that I love. Okay, let's do it. Five supplements. Number one, I'm just going to get straight into this one today. Let's be honest, we're not going to mess around. So number one is omega-3 supplements, uh, specifically looking at higher dose EPA and DHA for many reasons. Um, this is a supplement that I am constantly reminding myself to continue taking. Um, I usually take capsules. At the moment, I have a liquid form in my fridge, which is... Meh, It's like supposed to be orange flavor, but it it definitely has a fishy aftertaste. So just kind of down it with like a mouthful of orange juice to cover the taste. But since I've got that, I definitely have them less um, just because it's a little bit more effort and it's a little bit kind of gross. So I'll be going back to the capsules very soon. But nonetheless, omega-3 is incredible for our brain health. So it is a like structural component of our brain. It's a a component of our brain tissue. So even the fact of that, just thinking when you're eating omega-3, when you are supplementing omega-3, you are supplementing like the physical component of your brain. But it also has amazing effects on our brain and our nervous system. So we're looking at things like uh, reduces risk of age-related cognitive decline and degenerative disease. So reducing risk of things like Alzheimer's, um, improving memory, and just enhancing this overall kind of brain function and brain health. And on that note, it's actually important for brain development in infants. So when you're looking at preconception care, pregnancy, and um, breastfeeding, EPA, DHA, the omega-3 pitcher is something that you'd be really wanting to supplement because you're building a brain and you're feeding a body that is building a brain. And it's just that crucial kind of, yeah, as I said, that crucial brain component. So it's really, really beautiful for all of that. But There's so many other effects of omega-3 on the body as well. So it's anti-inflammatory, which is probably the most common thing that people know it for uh, in the terms of, I don't know, all the supplements of omega-3 say, or like, I don't know, the general ones that come in Woolworths and stuff, they all say like anti-inflammatory have for rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory diseases. So if there is an inflammatory picture going on, then omega-3 is really supportive of reducing that inflammation in the body and possibly reducing symptoms you would be having if you did have something like rheumatoid arthritis or uh, joint issues going on, then you would probably be having and needing to have a much higher dose. So there's that anti-inflammatory effect anyways, um, whether or not you have a disorder or not, it's going to be managing inflammation in your body, which also then supports things like mental health. So both of these components both of these areas that I've spoken about in the fact that it helps our brain and our nervous system and it's also anti-inflammatory, 
in effect, it actually has mood regulatory effects as well. And it has, it has been studied for and not completely uh, continuously concluded in each study. It hasn't been repeated, but there are studies that show that it can reduce depression and anxiety effects uh, and symptoms. So this kind of effect of omega-3 is a really beautiful one as like a supplement as well, like as a supplement to what it is already giving your body not as the supplement itself. Uh, but the fact that, you know, you're eating it for your brain health and your nervous system health, and then maybe it could have this effect on your emotions too. And I just, I just see it as a really calming supplement. Like there's things in life and in my work and with my clients, I'm always looking at how can we just have a calmer lifestyle, whether that is in from the food that's coming in, from the activities that we do from the way that we manage our stress, from the work that we do. Like think about it energetically. If you can think about the energy of a quarter pounder from McDonald's compared to the energy of like a salmon and avocado on toast, there holds a different energy. And yes, you've got like healthy and unhealthy picture, good, bad picture. I don't kind of want to shun one food or the other. But just energetically, there is a picture of fats and a picture of omega-3 for me that just is energetically calm. And so there's a lot there that I can see, you know, obviously this is just kind of talking a little bit hippie about food, which I love. But in terms of the science, there is anti-inflammatory effects. So that may be kind of partly the reason why I'm getting this vibe from omega-3. But I just think it is that picture of food and that picture of a nutrient that just calms the nervous system. It calms our life. It is a part of a healthier lifestyle when we're looking at having a you know reduction of stress and improving mental health. So overall, omega-3, I am a big advocate for. Absolutely love it. It's really good for cardiovascular health as well. So it can be uh, helpful for reducing high blood pressure and reducing triglycerides in the blood, which means it is overall going to be reducing risk of cardiovascular disease. It is something that is handed out by doctors. It's something that is handed out by, you know, health, everyone alike, health practitioners alike. So beautiful, beautiful supplement. Um, no risk. There's really like, yeah, anyways, love it. Good for your skin health too. So omega-3, number one, going down in history as always. Now, number two is creatine. I've done a supplement on its own on creatine, but it is one of the most regulated, uh, not regulated, it's one of the most studied supplements of all time uh, for, especially in the athletic space and the sports performance space. So it's known for increasing performance in training and in athletes and in whatever, sports. So that is where it was kind of known for and it was studied and studied and studied. There's literally hundreds of thousands of studies on this one supplement because, and it's just well known because it it's effective. It is one of the supplements that there's not really a question about it. Uh, it, it, it's, it helps. It helps for this aspect of performance. So it helps to produce what it does is creatine in itself is a a molecule in our body. We have it already in our body and it helps to regenerate ATP, which is our form of energy 
in our muscles. So it helps to quickly regenerate it. And the more creatine like that we have in our muscles, the more kind of ATP we can generate. So when we supplement it, it can be really helpful for increasing performance in like short duration, high intensity training, where we are doing big bursts of exercise and we kind of need that energy burst and that energy regeneration really quickly. So that's how creatine helps people perform better. When people start taking creatine, you can find that you can lift heavier, you can find that you can perform more reps, and inevitably you get a better return on your workouts. So you get increased muscle mass and you've got a lot of beautiful benefits um, in terms of getting towards the goal that you want with your training. But this is not just a gym bro supplement. I will repeat, it is not just a gym bro supplement. Creatine is now, and it's only kind of recently that this light has been shone. And if you want to find out more, I do deep dive into this, into my creatine episode. But it has now been shown to have a lot of neuroprotective effects. So there's a lot of uh, beautiful scientists that are much smarter than me, uh, like Andrew Huberman and um, who was the other creatine advocate? These neuroscientists that are very pleased with uh, Louisiana, Louisiana, Louise Nicole, whatever. She's another beautiful neuroscientist that I follow. Um, These people that are very highly qualified in their field, they're sharing the information from these studies that are studying creatine and its effects on the brain. And what we're finding is that they that creatine has neuroprotective effects. So it prevents the brain cells from oxidation, which oxidative stress is a marker for things like aging and disease, uh, decline in cognition, memory, things like that. So what they're finding is that creatine can actually improve cognition and it can reduce the risk for things like Alzheimer, Alzheimer's and dementia, which is really, really beautiful. And we're just finding overall, and it also acts in the way that it does in our muscles, in our brain. So it supplies our brain the ability to produce energy more. Our brain is the most energy uh, sucking (laughs) organ, makes it sound so bad, but our brain is the most like, it uses the most energy out of everything in our body. Our brain needs that energy. So when we supplement creatine, it can actually cross the blood brain barrier and it can help our brain continue to get the energy and produce the energy that it needs to. So absolutely love that supplement. Number three for me is magnesium. So magnesium is one that I'm throwing out like Oprah throws out money on her. <laughs> like You have a magnesium. You have a magnesium. This is me to my clients. I love magnesium. I love the different uh, – the different goals it can reach, the different forms that it has. So you can get something like magnesium citrate that can really help uh, for a laxation effect for constipation. You can have magnesium bisglycinate, which is helpful for like brain function. You can get different forms of magnesium good for muscle function. So all in all, just getting your magnesium in your body is going to be beneficial. There's just certain like certain forms that can do specific needs more so than others. But one of the things with magnesium is that it is basically an all-rounder. Like there is so much in the body that it is acting on. It is in energy production. It's in DNA synthesis. If that doesn't sound important, I don't know what is. It's synthesizing your DNA 
and it is using um it's helping your nerves function so even just being able to all your nervous system function magnesium is a big important part of it and muscle function as well hence why magnesium is quite known for uh helping recovery and there's this aspect where it can support muscle function and muscle recovery that it's kind of like more known for than its other aspects but there are just such beautiful aspects in it that i think are like awesome that it can help heal your muscles but there's so many other things going on with it as well. So its effects on the nervous system, it actually regulates our neurotransmitters such as melatonin and serotonin. So these are involved in our sleep-wake cycle. So it can really, really help with improving sleep quality. This has been shown multiple times. So for me, I love to take my magnesium. I take 300 milligrams every night uh, about half an hour before bed and sometimes I swap it around. I've got a supplement that has a couple of other like sleepy things in it like taurine, um, L-theanine and other beautiful things but I have always stuck with my 300 milligrams. I just think that that is a great amount and I've stuck with it at the end of my day. That's how I like to do it. I don't know how you like to do it but nonetheless um, that sleep quality aspect is really, really beneficial And because of this same reason, because of its way that it works in our neurological system and the way it regulates our neurotransmitters, it's also really good for stress management. Um, Just even in that regulation of serotonin, we can look at using it for things like stress management. And again, it's giving that same vibe. It's giving the omega-3 vibe. It's giving calming. It's giving relaxed. It's giving sleep. I'm loving it. So... The other couple of things that it's really good for, as I said, there's just, it's endless. It really is endless. Like magnesium is just so mighty. So it regulates our calcium levels in our blood. So there's a bit of a, there's a interrelationship kind of love triangle going on with like calcium, vitamin D, magnesium. They are all interplaying in keeping our bones healthy and strong. The really cool thing about bones, and this is something that I just, I don't know, I always think it's so cool because I always thought of bones as like a separate thing to our body. Like our, our bones are just there structurally, but it doesn't interact with our body. It's like my, I just hit my podcast mic. <laughs> it's like my podcast mic right now. Like if I touch it, like it's just, it's separate to me. Uh, and that's how I saw bones. But the way that bones work is that they actually are, constantly interchanging minerals with our blood. So we can take calcium from our bones and imagine it like a fizzy biscuit, like a like a fizzy biscuit. It's from The Gentleman, the movie The Gentleman. If you know, you know. But imagine a Panadol or a medication being put into a glass of water and it fizzes and it dissolves and it releases its contents into the water. So imagine your bone is the medication and your blood is the water. Basically, our our bone can dissolve minerals into our blood and then our blood can kind of feed it back. And that's what maintains our bone density and maintains our bone mineralization. It's happening constantly. There are these little things called osteoclasts and osteoblasts that are breaking down bone matter and rebuilding it all the time. So actually maintaining this level, like when we think about calcium and um, magnesium, vitamin D, all of these things for bone health, this is why it's so important because if we 
can regulate our calcium, which is what magnesium helps do. If we can regulate our calcium levels, that's really important because if our calcium levels drop in our blood, we start taking it from our bone. And this is where, you know, if, we, if that is a continuous process, then this is where we can start to get weakened bones. We can get things like osteoporosis, uh, especially in aging. Obviously, this is this is way more like way more important, but it is crucial. So magnesium plays that role as well, which I think is really, really cool. And it also plays a role in heart health by maintaining our heart rhythm, regulating our blood sugar and supporting our blood vessels. So big one, like you're thinking, we're talking nervous system, we're talking cardiovascular system, we're talking mental health, stress, sleep, like, come on, this is next level stuff. Um, I really love all of these supplements that I'm talking about. It's actually, I love, I'm just spitballing on this podcast and I love it. Um, so the next one, number four is vitamin D. Vitamin D is a really beautiful nutrient for our immune system, which it is just something I'm always looking at. If there's an autoimmune condition going on, if there is an inflammatory picture going on, vitamin D is going to be one of the like best things that you can work with in terms of immune function. Now, obviously we get our vitamin D from the sun. That is the best place to get it and the easiest place to get it going out for a couple of minutes a day and or however long in a day and getting some of those sun rays, getting that vitamin D that way. But we can also supplement it and it can really help. So I also personally supplement with vitamin D. I supplement with two to 4,000 IU a day, which is a higher dose. Um, I feel comfortable doing that for myself, but you should definitely talk to your, you know, whoever, your practitioner, your doctor before you go and do any of that. There is an upper limit of vitamin D, which means you can have, like if you're deciding to just go ahead and supplement 10,000 IU a day for the next, you know, 10 years, then you're going to run into some toxicity issues. But if you're just supplementing on that kind of lower end between the, between one to 4,000 IU or one to 2,000 is kind of like moderate. And then if you go higher than that, you're looking at a higher dose, but it is beautiful for your body. So it has another aspect where it lowers risk of cardiovascular disease. It's good for your heart. Um, good for your bone as well, as we just spoke about with um, with the interplay of the relationship between calcium, magnesium, vitamin D. So the way that vitamin D helps is it actually helps you to absorb calcium and it also works with magnesium to regulate that calcium level in the blood. So the absorption of calcium obviously helps you keep your blood levels of calcium high, which keeps your bones keeping all of its calcium that it already has. Um, so yeah, vitamin D is a really, really good one. It's also good for mood regulation, uh, has been shown to support anxiety and depression. So there's that aspect as well. And yeah, I just think it's a really, really beautiful supplement that needed to be mentioned in this podcast today. There's benefits for it in different diseases and disorders. I'm not going to get into it now, all the different ones, but there is definitely some that are more prevalent. So even PCOS is one that is vitamin D is important to look at. So there's a couple of things that I think are, um, yeah, really beneficial when you're looking at improving disease symptoms. That's a whole other kind of vitamin D on its own topic. I think I've already done vitamin D. Maybe I have. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I have. I feel like I have early on in the days. If I have, you can go listen to that to find out some more. Um, the last one is probably the it is the most common supplement in the world, or the most common used supplement in the world. 
and basic of me, but it's going to be protein powder. And I say this because as much as it is the most used supplement in the world, um, there's still a lot of people like that I come across in kind of practice where they can benefit from a protein powder and they don't use a protein powder or more commonly, actually, now that I'm talking about it and thinking about it, is that their quality of protein powder is kind of shite. So the best thing that you can do with a protein powder is opt for a whey protein isolate, 100% whey protein isolate. And then you're also looking at the other kind of ingredients that are coming into it as well. So looking for a natural sweetener like stevia, uh, looking for a lower calorie. So if you're getting 30 grams of protein, I'm just grabbing my calculator up now, there's four calories per gram of protein. So you're looking, that's 120. So you want roughly around 120 calories because that's just showing you that it's just pure protein. A lot of the time there might be other things added in there that there's, you know, sugars or whatever that boost it up. And when you think you're just having your 30 grams of protein, you're also getting um, carbohydrates coming in there as well. And next thing you know, you're having 250 calories in a protein shake when you could be having 120 and keeping your calories lower as well. So that's another thing to think about, making sure there's not a whole bunch of fillers. Honestly, with a protein powder, I reckon five ingredients or less is best. Mine has three and I just kind of keep it. My my protein powder, I'll share it with you guys, is uh, Australian Protein Supplies, WPI, no nasties. I just get the vanilla bean flavor. I think it's got literally WPI, vanilla and stevia. Boom, done. Uh, that's all you need. It's honestly, it's delicious. It's completely fine. And I think that that's a really important picture because there's so much crap that comes into protein powders. It's not even funny. So that's an aspect too. But if you're not already using a protein powder, the reason I say it is like, obviously I would prefer people to reach their protein intake through whole foods. You're going to get a whole bunch of other beautiful nutrients if you're eating it through uh, like animal proteins, plant proteins, whatever else. You're going to be getting fiber. You're going to be getting all your different vitamins and minerals, which is great. But you're probably already including those foods as well. It's just that a lot of people actually struggle to eat their protein requirements. I'm always upping protein. It is just such an incredible nutrient to have um, show up as a major factor in your diet. Like for me, I'm getting people to calculate their protein needs 1.8 to 2.2 times your body weight in kilograms if you are of a healthy BMI. And if you are in that more like overweight, obese picture, then you would go one kilogram per, uh, one gram per kilogram of body weight. So, calculate protein needs and then hit that. And then the rest fats and carbs, I don't really mind where that comes in. It's just, you know, if it hits in your calories, whatever, totally different topic that I'm talking about. But the thing is, I value protein very highly. And when I'm looking at increasing that protein, a protein powder can really be beneficial with that. So even it's even good because if you want to have a meal, right, I'm all about that food freedom. I'm all about making sure you enjoy your food as much as you can in life. And a lot of the time, if you're trying to reach a higher protein, food can get really intense. Like it can just be like you're cooking so much or you're done having eggs or you're done having, you know, meat or protein from food in every single meal. You might want to just have peanut butter and jam on toast, which is totally fine. And it's totally fine to do that. But 
I would also recommend having a protein shake with that, like a protein in water, just because it helps us to be satiated. It helps us to keep us full. It helps to keep our protein requirements up there, especially if you're training. Um, but even if you're not training, in, like it's a beautiful thing to do. So I'm not saying that at every single meal, like, you know, I, I don't like to be this person that's like, this is how you should eat and this is how it's done because in essence, my value is that you have a life where you can actually feel the freedom to eat the peanut butter and jam toast without having the protein if you don't feel like it, if it's going to make you feel yuck and if you're not really feeling like much food because you're not hungry but you're going out, whatever, that's fine. But if you do have the protein powder, and you feel like you can get it in, then, you know, with the non-protein food, then that would make the meal more balanced and it would make your day more balanced. So hence why that came in in the last one. So just to recap, these five top recommended supplements, I've got omega-3, creatine, magnesium, vitamin D, and protein powder. These are my top rated, love them all, have them all. I'm going to go downstairs and have them all in a little concoction right now. Probably not because I've already had half of them, but you know what I mean. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening, it's probably going to be out uh, in uh, doing this early because I'm going to Europe. So when you're listening to this, I will be in London at Harry Potter World, living it up. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I appreciate you so much for lending your ear to my podcast and to the information I put together. I really do love doing this and I love learning alongside with you. If you're enjoying it or learning from this podcast, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or leave me a review. These things really support me. And also, if you want me to cover a topic, just let me know. Email me at info at healmyhealth.com.au or go DM me on my socials and I will make sure to get to that topic. Thank you.